everybody, how's it going? Um, I have a book to read. No, not the whole book because it's really long, but I'll keep adding chapters in other episodes. Um, this book is one of my favorites. It is The BFG by Roald Dahl. Um, this book might not be appropriate if you are one year old or two years old or three years old. Even if you're four, parts of it might feel a little scary. Um, I'll give you warning when those parts are coming. So um, if you want to skip ahead a little bit, um, just remember it's fiction. It's made up. Um, and the BFG stands for the Big Friendly Giant. So there are some giants who are also made up who are pretty mean and um, definitely scary. But um, remember that in um, The Big Friendly Giant, it's all going to work out because it's fiction and it's for kids. And um, The Big Friendly Giant, the BFG, is so lovely. He's so kind. And there is a tiny girl. Actually, she's like a normal-sized girl, but since she's um, often in the hand or the ear, she gets to ride in the ear of the giant, she looks really small. Um, so remember that the heroes in this book are, I think her name is Sophie. I forget. Sophie. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe your name's Sophie. It's not. Oh, it's okay. My name's not Sophie either. Um, so Sophie is one of the heroes and so is the BFG. All right, here it comes. If you want to read with me, um, you can get, uh, your copy of the book if you have it. Um, and, um, I'll probably like stop and talk about random things in the middle. So, um, don't get confused about that. I'll also have to stop and drink water because, um, I'm going to read for a while. No, not the whole thing. Okay. Be patient. The rest will come. All right. Oh, this book was written a long time ago, 1982. Um, and you know how old I was then? Okay. I was three. I was three years old. So if you're four, um, you're already older than I was when this book came out. Um, and I was born in 1979. So see if you can figure out how old I am. It's kind of old. I'm, I'm good with that though. All right, here we go. Chapter one, the witching hour. Sophie couldn't sleep. A brilliant moonbeam was slanting through a gap in the curtains. It was shining right onto her pillow. The other children in the dormitory had been asleep for hours. Sophie closed her eyes and lay quite still. She tried very hard to doze off. Hmm, dormitory. I think that must mean that she sleeps at a school or something like that. Um, it was no good. The moonbeam was like a silver blade slicing through the room onto her face. The house was absolutely silent. No voices came up from downstairs. There were no footsteps on the floor above either. The window behind the curtain was wide open, but nobody was walking on the street outside. No cars went by on the street. Not the tiniest sound could be heard anywhere. Sophie had never known such a silence. Perhaps, she told herself, this was what they called the witching hour. It's not really about witches. The witching hour, somebody had once whispered to her, was a special moment in the middle of the night when every child and every grown-up was in a deep, deep sleep and all the dark things came out from hiding and had the world to themselves. 
Huh. What are some um, things that you think would come out in the middle of the night? Maybe some nocturnal animals? What nocturnal animals do you know? I'm thinking about thinking about raccoons in the city. I know that sometimes they come out during, during the day, but uh, that's just if there's too much garbage everywhere. Yeah, we should keep our garbage away from the raccoons. It's not good for them. For them. Anyway, if you know other nocturnal animals, you could, you could let me know about that. Okay, back to the book. The moonbeam was brighter than ever on Sophie's pillow. She decided to get out of bed and close the gap in the curtains. You got punished if you were caught out of bed after lights out, even if you said you had to go to the lavatory. That's a bathroom. This book is um, written by an author from England, and so there's different words for things. Anyway, even if you said you had to go to the lavatory, that was not accepted as an excuse, and they punished you just the same. But there was no one about now. Sophie was sure of that. She reached out for her glasses that lay on the chair beside her bed. They had steel rims and very thick lenses, and she could hardly see a thing without them. She put them on, then she slipped out of bed and tiptoed over to the window. Hey, do you have glasses? If you do, do you remember to wear them? It's a pretty good idea so that you can, you know, see stuff and read. Um, I have glasses too. I got them in fourth grade. Um, maybe you're in fourth grade. Or maybe not. Um, the, yeah, the glasses I got were like purple and blue and pink. They were very colorful. Now I have very boring grown-up glasses that are, I think they're like brown on the outside. Um, and then I wear contact lenses. Anyway, back to the book. When she reached the curtain, Sophie hesitated. She longed to duck underneath them and lean out of the window to see what the world looked like now that the witching hour was at hand. She listened again. Everywhere it was deathly still. The longing to look out became so strong she couldn't resist it. Quickly, she ducked under the curtains and leaned out of the window. In the silvery moonlight, the village street she knew so well seemed completely different. The houses looked bent and crooked like houses in a fairy tale. Everything was pale and ghostly and milky white. Across the road, she could see Mrs. Rance's shop, where you bought buttons and wool and bits of elastic. It didn't look real. There was something dim and misty about that, too. Sophie allowed her eye to travel farther and farther down the street. Suddenly, she froze. Okay, this is a good thing. Don't be too nervous. There was something coming up the street on the opposite side. It was something black, something tall and black, something very tall and very black, and very thin. Do you have a guess? Yeah, is that what you think? Okay, well, let's see. Oh, we're already on, is this chapter two? I think it's chapter two. Yeah, chapter two is called Who? It wasn't a human. It couldn't be. It was four times as tall as the tallest human. It was so tall, its head was higher than the upstairs windows of the houses. Sophie opened her mouth to scream, but no sound came out. Her throat, like her whole body, was frozen with fright. This was the witching hour, all right. The tall black figure was coming her way. It was keeping very close to the houses across the street, hiding in the shadowy places where there was no moonlight. On and on it came, nearer and nearer, but it was moving in spurts. It would stop, and then it would move on, and then it would stop again. But what on earth was it doing? Aha! Sophie could see now what it was up to. It was stopping in front of each house. It would stop and peer into the upstairs window of each house in the street. 
It actually had to bend down to peer into the upstairs windows. That's how tall it was. Okay, do you have a guess of who it is? Okay, I'm not telling. Oh, you think you know, don't you? Mm-hmm. We'll see. It would stop and peer in. Then it would slide on to the next house and stop again and peer in and so on all along the street. It was much closer now and Sophie could see it more clearly. Looking at it carefully, she decided it had to be some kind of a person. Obviously, it was not a human, but it was definitely a person. A giant person, perhaps. Sophie stared hard across the misty moonlight street. The giant, if that's what he was, was wearing a long black cloak. In one hand, he was holding what looked like a very long, thin trumpet. In the other hand, he held a large suitcase. Okay, hold on a minute. If you are a person who likes to draw while you're listening to a book, this might be a good time to draw um, how you imagine um, these things to look. Like you could draw a long, what did, we, what did they say? He's tall, very tall and thin. And so far we know that he has a black cloak and he's holding a very long, thin trumpet, and in the other hand, a large suitcase. So you could start working on that while you're listening, or pause. I'll wait for you. Okay, the giant had stopped now, right in front of Mr. and Mrs. Gucci's house. The Gucci's had a green grocery shop, it's like a grocery store, um, in the middle of the high street, and the family lived above the shop. The two Gucci children slept in the upstairs front room. Sophie knew that. The giant was peering through the window into the room where Michael and Jane Gucci were sleeping. From across the street, Sophie watched and held her breath. She saw... <coughs> Excuse me, I need a drink of water. Okay. She saw the giant step back a pace and put the suitcase down on the sidewalk. He bent over and opened the suitcase. He took something out of it. It looked like a glass jar, one of those square ones with a screw top. He unscrewed the top of the jar and poured what was in it into the end of the long trumpet thing. Sophie watched, trembling. She saw the giant straighten up again, and she saw him poke the trumpet in through the upstairs window of the room where the Gucci children were sleeping. She saw the giant take a deep breath, and whoosh, he blew through the trumpet. No noise came out, but it was obvious to Sophie that whatever had been in the jar had been blown through the trumpet, into the Gucci's children's bedroom. The Gucci children's bedroom. What could it be? Okay, if you've never read this before, do you have a guess? Yeah? You think so? Okay, we'll find out. As the giant withdrew the trumpet from the window and bent down to pick up the suitcase, he happened to turn his head and glance across the street. In the moonlight, Sophie caught a glimpse of an enormous, long, pale, wrinkly face with huge ears. Okay, did you hear that for your drawing? Enormous, long, pale, wrinkly face with huge ears. The nose was as sharp as a knife, and above the nose there were two bright flashing eyes, and the eyes were staring straight at Sophie. There was a fierce and devilish look about them. But don't worry, remember? It's, you know who it is. It's the BFG. He's really nice. Sophie gave a yelp and pulled back from the window. She flew across the dormitory and jumped into her bed and hid under the blanket. And there she crouched, still as a mouse, and tingling all over. How do you think she feels right now? Yeah? Yeah, I think she feels 
I bet she feels like a lot of different feelings, like confused and a little scared and shocked or surprised. And I bet she feels curious, too. Chapter three, the snatch. Oh, dear. Snatch means like when you grab something and take it. <sighs> Under the blanket, Sophie waited. After a minute or two, oh, a minute or so, she lifted a corner of the blanket and peeped out. For the second time that night, her blood froze to ice, and she wanted to scream, but no sound came out. There at the window, with the curtains pushed aside, was the enormous, long, pale, wrinkly face of the giant person staring in. The flashing black eyes were fixed on Sophie's bed. The next moment, a huge hand with pale fingers came snaking in through the window. Oh dear, I bet she's scared now. This was followed by an arm, an arm as thick as a tree trunk, and the arm, the hand, the fingers were reaching out across the room toward Sophie's bed. This time, Sophie really did scream, but only for a second because very quickly the huge hand clamped down over her blanket and the scream was smothered by the bedclothes. Bedclothes are like sheets, but in, you know, England. Sophie crouched under the blanket, felt strong fingers grasping hold of her, and then she was lifted up from her bed, blanket at all, and whisked out of the window. If you can think of anything more terrifying than that happening to you in the middle of the night, then let's hear about it. Oh, that's what the author said. Okay, let's hear about it. Yeah? You think that's scarier? Hmm. I don't know. This sounds pretty scary. Or maybe you would. Would you like to go in if you were in your bedroom and a giant came in and picked you up in your blanket? Do you think you'd be excited or scared? Hmm. Well, Sophie doesn't know how nice this, this big friendly giant is, so I'm guessing she's just scared. Here I go, back to the book. The awful thing was that Sophie knew exactly what was going on, although she couldn't see it happening. She knew that a monster, or giant, with an enormous long pale wrinkly face and dangerous eyes, had plucked her from her bed in the middle of the witching hour and was now carrying her out through the window, smothered in a blanket. What actually happened next was this. When the giant had got Sophie outside, he arranged the blanket so that he could grasp all the four corners of it at once in one of his huge hands, with Sophie imprisoned inside. In the other hand, he seized the suitcase and the long trumpet thing, and off he ran. Sophie, by squirming around inside the blanket, managed to push the top of her head out through a little gap just below the giant's hand. She stared around her. Okay, I'm going to pause. So this might be a good time also to draw Sophie. Um, the illustrator of this book, whose name is Quentin Blake, on this page where I am, he drew a picture of the big friendly giant, but he's not looking that friendly because we don't know him yet, um, sort of um, running along with the big black cloak behind him and the trumpet and the suitcase in one hand, and in the other hand holding a blanket Kind of like if you've ever seen a picture of a stork holding a bundle of blanket. And then we see Sophie with her little nose and her glasses and some hair poking out of one side. Okay, now this is um, what she sees. She saw the village houses rush rushing by on both sides. The giant was sprinting down the high street. He was running so fast his black cloak was streaming out behind him like the wings of a bird. Each stride he took was as long as a tennis court. Out of the village he ran, and soon they were racing across the moonlit fields. The hedges dividing the fields were no problem to the giant. He simply strode over them. A wide river appeared in his path. He crossed it in one flying stride. 
Sophie crouched in the blanket, peering out. She was being bumped against the giant's leg like a sack of potatoes. Over the fields and hedges and rivers they went, and after a while, a frightening thought came into Sophie's head. The giant is running fast, she told herself, because he is hungry, and he wants to get home as quickly as possible, and then he'll have me for breakfast. Okay, pause. If you're getting scared, what do you need to remember? Big, friendly giant. We'll find out about his eating habits soon. Okay, my voice is getting a little tired. I'm already on chapter... Whoa! One, two, three, four. Chapter four is the cave. Okay, I'll read this one to you, and then I might need to stop. I know, I know you want me to keep reading, but hold on. Let's read this one and see how long it is. The cave. The giant ran on and on, but now a curious change took place in his way of running. He seemed suddenly to go into a higher gear. Faster and faster he went, and soon he was traveling at such speed that the landscape became blurred. The wind stung Sophie's cheeks. It made her eyes water. It whipped her head back and whistled in her ears. She could no longer feel the giant's feet touching the ground. She had a weird sensation they were flying. It was impossible to tell whether they were over land or sea. This giant had some sort of magic in his legs. The wind rushing against Sophie's face became so strong that she had to duck down again into the blanket to prevent her head from being blown away. Was it really possible that they were crossing oceans? It certainly felt that way to Sophie. She crouched in the blanket and listened to the howling of the wind. Can you do a wind howling sound? Ooh, that's a good one. It went on for what seemed like hours. Then all at once the wind stopped its howling. The pace began to slow down. Sophie could feel the giant's feet pounding once again over the earth. She poked her head out of the blankets to have a look. They were in a country of thick forests and rushing rivers. The giant had definitely slowed down and was now running more normally, although normal was a silly word to use to describe a galloping giant. He leaped over a dozen rivers. He went rattling through a great forest, then down into a valley and up over a range of hills as bare as concrete, and soon he was galloping over a desolate wasteland that was not quite of this earth. The ground was flat and pale yellow. Great lumps of blue rock were scattered around, and dead trees were everywhere like skeletons. The moon had long since disappeared, and now the dawn was breaking. Sophie, still peering out from the blanket, saw suddenly ahead of her a great craggy mountain. The mountain was dark blue, and all around it in the sky was gushing and glistening with light. Ooh, that sounds beautiful. Bits of pale gold were flying among the delicate, frosty white flakes of cloud, and over to one side the rim of the morning sun was coming up, red as blood. Right beneath the mountain the giant stopped. He was puffing mightily. <sighs> you try it. Do some puffing. You might need to run around for a minute to get your lungs to make a puffing sound. <sighs> His great chest was heaving in and out. He paused to catch his breath. Okay, while he's pausing, you know what you can do if you want? Do you remember that part just a minute ago when the giant was, what was he doing? He was galloping and leaping and rattling through the forest. And then 
the sun starts to rise and he stops and breathes really heavy. If you want to take a break of listening, you could go try that. Do some galloping and running and then stop and breathe and see if your chest goes in and out. Okay, you back? Here we go. Directly in front of them, lying against the side of the mountain, Sophie could see a massive round stone. It was as big as a house. The giant reached out and rolled the stone to one side as easily as if it had been a football. And now, where the stone had been, there appeared a vast black hole. The hole was so large, the giant didn't even have to duck his head as he went in. He strode into the black hole, still carrying Sophie in one hand, the trumpet and the suitcase in the other. As soon as he was inside, he stopped and turned and rolled the great stone back into place so that the entrance to his secret cave was completely hidden from outside. Now that the entrance had been sealed up, there was not a glint of light inside the cave. All was black. Sophie felt herself being lowered to the ground. Then the giant let go of the blanket completely. His footsteps moved away. Sophie sat there in the dark, shivering with fear. He's getting ready to eat me, she told herself. He'll probably eat me raw, just as I am. Or perhaps he will boil me first. Or he will have me fried. Ouch. He will drop me like a rasher of bacon into some gigantic frying pan with sizzling with fat. Okay, if you're getting worried, don't worry. It's not going to happen. He's friendly. A blaze of light suddenly lit, lit up the whole place. Sophie blinked and stared. She saw an enormous cavern with a high rocky roof. Okay, get ready to draw this. This is a really great description. The walls on either side were lined with shelves, and on the shelves there stood row upon row of glass jars. There were jars everywhere. They were piled up in the corners. They filled every nook and cranny of the cave. In the middle of the floor there was a table 12 feet high and a chair to match. The giant took off his black coat and hung it against the wall. Sophie saw that under the cloak he was wearing a sort of collarless shirt and a dirty old leather vest that didn't seem to have any buttons. His trousers were faded green and were far too short in the legs. On his bare feet, he was wearing a pair of ridiculous sandals that for some reason had holes cut along each side with a large hole at the end where his toes stuck out. Sophie, crouching on the floor of the cave in her nightie, glazed not glazed, gazed back at him through thick steel-rimmed glasses. She was trembling like a leaf in the wind, and a finger of ice was running up and down the length of her spine. Ha! shouted the giant, walking forward and rubbing his hands together. What has us got here? His booming voice rolled around the walls of the cave like a burst of thunder. Guess what the next chapter's called? The BFG. I think I'm going to make you wait until next time. Ha ha. Sorry. I know. I know you want to hear the next chapter. But you know what? Then you can anticipate it until tomorrow. And then you'll be even more excited. And you'll have time to catch up on your drawings. Um, if you do some drawings, I would love it if you would take a picture of it and text it to me. If you um, know my phone number. Or if you don't really know me at all... Maybe, um, hmm, how could you send it to me? Maybe your one of your parents um, knows me on the Facebook, or maybe on this, this app there's a way to send a message. I'll look into that. I don't know if anybody's listening who doesn't really know me. Um, I think that there are some kids listening who, um, I didn't say their names the other day. I 
think that there's some kids in Chicago listening named Felix and Tate. And I think that there is a kid who I know from Buckman, where I work, named Amaya, and she might be listening. And who else might be listening? Maybe Ramona. She might be listening up in Seattle. Um, hmm, I guess I don't know. Oh, uh, I think in Cincinnati, I said um, that Haley might listen, but um, Haley's friend Rose also might listen. And um, so far, Rose wanted a story with some dresses in it. And Sophie's wearing a nightgown, so that's kind of like a dress. Maybe, a little bit. You could draw a picture of it. All right, my friends. I will um, see you tomorrow for, well, I won't see you, but I'll talk to you and pretend I can hear you talking to me um, on another play date tomorrow. All right. I hope you have a good day and you play outside. And if you do some art, I'd love to see it. And if you're little and you're like, I don't know about this BFG, I wasn't really paying attention. um, Then I'm going to do another one with some uh, shorter books for Um, smaller friends, um, like Jordy and Sebi, um, and Winter, and who else is really little? Mm, I forgot. Okay, see you later. Bye.